0: Welcome to Proudly ADHD, at work and in business. I'm your host, Coach Kathy Rashidian, and I help professionals like you understand the science behind your unique brain so you can unlock that inner genius. Ready to transform your ADHD into your best asset? Keep listening. Welcome to another episode with Coach Kathy. Today I have another shiny star. You know me and my stars. Got to bring them. Got to give love. Got to share their stories, their triumphs, and their tribulations, and and all of that good stuff in between. And also their ADHD brain wiring, because each of us, I truly believe, have our own unique stories, and it needs to be told, man. So on that note, today I have the lovely Yakini Pierce with me. Yakini and I came across each other's profile over social media. Welcome Yakini, how are you? Thank you, thank you. I appreciate being here. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So Yakini is a mama to two beautiful kids and we're going to talk about, and we're going to talk about her experience with parenthood, her professional development side, her own ADHD diagnosis. And for me, sometimes from time to time, I like to bring in different perspectives. I mean, you know, this, this show is about professionals and entrepreneurs running businesses and and being in a nine to five. But then what happens on the other side of our lives? Parenting, kids getting diagnosed with ADHD, all that good stuff. So who better than Yakina to, to give us her story, her journey, of what happened. So Yutina, I want to start with the diagnosis of your little one, because that's where it all kind of started with with ADHD in your family. So tell me a little bit about that. Give us some backtrack on what happened there.
1: Yeah. So ironically, it was actually both of my kids were struggling when they were younger. It actually started with my daughter and she was getting into a lot of trouble at the daycare system and even got kicked out of one or two of them. But uh, so it was really a struggle and I didn't know what was going on. And so we went to see a therapist who recommended a psychologist who basically said she's four years old. I mean, her brain is still developing. I can't diagnose her. I don't feel comfortable diagnosing her at this time. And I said, okay, fine. I'll just wait. Well, then literally I'll say a year or two later, my son started to get rambunctious and he was all over the place. And he was also getting in trouble, literally following the footsteps of my daughter And he just became more prominent. So in other words, there was a point in time where they were equal. So I always share this when they were at the monastery school, they were in separate classes on purpose because their energy was just too much for each other. And one day I walked in because I forgot their lunch. And when I walked into the door, into the administrator office, both of my kids were in the office. (laughs) I was like, are you kidding me? but I didn't get a phone call. So I kissed them and I left. (laughs) So that was just what I was experiencing phone calls every day. And then there was a certain point where like sixth grade, I'm not sixth grade. When my daughter turned six years old, it just, I don't know if it clicked, if it was the teacher that she had, but she suddenly got more on the, I will say the calmer side, her energy was more internal. And, but my son was still external. He was just Angry about things, if people would try to do, I will say the typical punishments, you know, taking things away, or I mean, he would just get mad. And there were times where people had to lock their room because he would go and knock things over, right? And so I went ahead and said, "Look, I really need help at the school, and I do plan to get him diagnosed, but I really need something, a plan put in place. So I went went ahead and got him uh, tested. And he was tested for the hyperactivity impulsive type, and which was really nice to have that because then I could sit with the school and get him on an IEP. And ironically, I had already prepared, right? So I already had heard that it's hard to get your child on an IEP. So I kept all the documentations from daycare. And then when he started his kindergarten, and I I also kept documentations in terms of what we had already tried. And- you know, what we tried and what we failed. And so I was really lucky because by the time I got to that meeting, the principal basically said, "We want to put him on an IEP, right? And it has been such a great direction for him.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And the IEP contained, for example, meeting with his specialist on a daily basis. So he she she would go over with him certain situations that he was struggling with so maybe it's communicating with some other kid or getting upset when somebody irritates him and they would walk through it on a daily basis and talk about okay so if you're in this scenario what could you do next right? right and it just it was a beautiful thing and then also they allowed for breaks so you know he would walk around the the, the hallways of the school you know every so often They actually had a sensory room. So he would go to the sensory room. He would pick like three things to do just to get his energy out. I mean, they just put all these wonderful things in place. Like even from the, they made sure that he was comfortable wherever he was sitting and that was his seat, right? I mean, there might be other kids next to him, but he basically had first choice. And so it was just really has helped him and supported him. And I can tell the difference between being you know back when he was in kindergarten until now I mean he is a different child and don't get me wrong there are still struggles at 10 right there's mm-hmm. still growth there are still things that he gets angry about, but he has grown so much and and honestly so have the teachers right the teachers also have learned how to interact with him and how to bring out his strengths and how to transition him so it has been a balance and they always made sure they put him with the teachers that they knew he was going to be able to grow with. So it's just been a really good experience at this particular
0: school. Dang, girl, that's pretty awesome. That is pretty awesome. I I want to come back to the school thing. But so what happened with your daughter then? And it's so interesting that you say she went from hyperactive to inward that I find that very fascinating.
1: Yeah, so most of hers was became internal. So, and I think it was, and I don't know, we always say this might be typical of girls where, you know, they don't want to get in trouble. They want to, you know, we want to try our best, right. We don't want to seem like we're different and we we just, we work hard and that's what she did. She went from externally showing her emotions to internally showing, not showing her emotions, which is just as bad. Mm-hmm. And so she, well, let me take a step back. So when she started in first grade, she just started getting better with conversating with people. But one of the things that I noticed is she ne- didn't express her feelings for a long time. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that really worried me because she wasn't expressing what was going on with her. And I told her at, even at first grade, hey, if something's going on with you, you need to talk about it. And for a long time, she just would not talk about her feelings because she really didn't know how to deal with her feelings. She didn't know how to, what they say, self-soothe. So mm-hmm. she just would not get upset. She would just internalize it because she knew if she got upset and angry, she would be yelling in people's faces. She mm-hmm. would, you know, when she was little, she may, you know, fits fit body. you know, she just did not know how to do it, deal with it. So she internalized it because she didn't want to get in trouble. She got in big trouble a couple of times in first grade, and that was the last time she got in trouble. So as she grew older, I did pay attention to her, and I just noticed how she wasn't expressing her feelings. So a couple of things happened. So by time, she, every once in a while, she would have a really big meltdown. And they'd got fewer and fewer over the years, but those meltdowns were intense because again, she didn't know how to express what was going on with her.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: The other thing is what I did put in place is, and I, I, I actually started this in first grade, but she didn't really take advantage of it until she got to fifth grade where I said, Hey, if you got something going on with you and you're not comfortable talking with me, these are the people that you can talk to, Right. So for example, having the counselor, the counselor at the school ready to go and having, she has a big from, I don't know if you guys have been in Canada, but we have a big brothers, big sisters program. And so she had a you know, big sister here from talking to my mom. You know, my nieces always went to my mom when they were dealing with some issues, including emotional issues. Oh. And so I put all these things in place, including me when she was ready to discuss something. But during that time, I also still noticed that she was just still doing things. She was still biting things and she was still, she'll walk around like in circles, just like dazed, right? Because her mind was processing. And so there was just a little bit of things as I learned over time were were tied to ADHD. So I wanted to go ahead at 11 to get her tested. And so when she got tested, she was actually diagnosed with the and a 10 up type, and which does fit her a lot, you know, quite a bit, but because I was focused on my son for so long, I didn't die. I didn't get her tested until much later, but I'm, I'm glad I did when I did, because we, like I said, I was able to talk to the therapist, not the therapist, the um, counselor about it. Then we started family therapy to help her work through certain situations. And she just became, how do I say this? Family therapy really helped. It really helped her be able to learn how to express what was going on with her. And she would actually come to me for a while. She wasn't coming to me. And then towards, like I say, end of 11, beginning of 12, she actually started to come to me. And of course, I had to learn how to do things differently too, right? So when yeah. she came to me with a conversation, I had to sit there and listen, right? Mm. And not learn not to give advice. Right. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> like, just listen, mm-hmm. unless it was something unsafe, I, then I would just pretty much say, okay, can I give you unsafe? I told if it was just kind of questionable, I said, can I give you some advice? You know, it's up to you. And if it's just something I needed to listen to, cause she's just venting. I would just listen. But most of the time I went from giving advice to listening and that really helped her become being able to talk about her feelings a lot more. And she talks about everything. And I just, I don't judge her. Right. And I just need her because she's a preteen. This is the time when she needs somebody to listen. And so, yeah, so she was a totally different path where yeah, she just, yeah, it 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 was, it was a really rough time because she was dealing with stress from school. She was, you know, she's a outgoing person. She's she's dealing with the drama from, you know, friends. And then she, you know, her and her brother were, you know, always batting. Bumping heads, and so she was just dealing with a lot of things, and so that's why I went ahead and said, Okay, we really need somebody to help us work through this. And she has been so much better since we went through that process.
0: Amazing! Amazing! So, as you're saying all of this, I have so many questions, so many. So, I'm gonna start with now focus on you. How oh, man, hold on, I'm gonna... I need to collect my thoughts here, people. Because there's so many things here that, that you just kind of skimmed over. Part of it, that, that being open to family therapy, being open to changing your style of parenting, being open to seeing, the, going through that curious mindset with your kids to be like, what's going on here? What am I seeing? At what point were you like, what have you been doing in your life to get you to that point?
1: So one of the things that I was truly blessed with is my parents met me where I was. And I always recognized that. So if I was going through a certain struggle, they would try to figure out how to help me what at the point where I was. How can I help you get through this transition? So get through being a preteen and get through being, you know, a first grader. And I mean, they just really were there for me always. Like My parents were the parents where everybody else is embarrassed to have their parents chaperone. My parents were the parents that I never was embarrassed. I'm like, come chaperone, (laughs) come on, you know? I mean, we just had such a really good relationship. And that's why, like I said, my sister, my nieces, all of them, we all go to her, right? Like I go to my mom and I'm still, even if I talk to my dad, I'm open with my dad, right? Mm -hmm. The only reason why I don't go to my dad first, we laugh about this. It's because he don't give the information to my mom. (laughs) So I have to give the information to my mom to make sure because she'll tell my dad. Right. But yeah, they were always there. So I wanted to do the same thing with them. I didn't understand for a long time up until I learned about ADHD, what was going on, but I just knew it was just different. Right. And I just knew that they needed support and they needed direction. And I just wanted to do what my parents did for me and try to connect with them and I mean, I tried, like I said, I tried, you know, just regular daycares and then I moved them to the Montessori school because mm-hmm. they said the Montessori school allowed you to express a little bit more yeah, exactly. and self guidance. Mm-hmm. And then it didn't really work for them because they were too fluid, right? They were just like, right, too much freedom. So I needed something in between. And so I gave something where they are allowed to be more fluid but has that structure around them. Bottom line is, is I needed, I understood each one of them. And then I tried to put things in place to support them where they were. But again, it's completely because of what was, what was given to me. And I wanted to share that with them.
0: Amazing. They are so lucky to have a mama like you. That's just beautiful. So then how was your ADHD un- undiagnosed, unnoticed? I mean, I can kind of sense from what you're saying, the supportive family, they just kind of went with the flow and, and kind of molded you as you were going, or you kind of, they worked with you. So, which is kind of an interesting concept too, is, you know, as we're talking about this is, do we have to diagnose children at such a young age? So at what point were you like, okay, let me see what's going on with me and and what brought that on this diagnosis.
1: Yeah. So really it was the connection with my kids. I saw a lot of myself in them. And I saw that as they were going through certain situations, I'm like, man, I went through those same exact situations in school. I mean, little things from, you know, my daughter's is the center of attention but, and people love to gravitate towards her, but my son struggles a little bit more re- with relationships. So I saw that part in me. My daughter, like I said, is just kind of like dazes out and walks in circles and just kind of, it's always processing, always thinking. And so I saw that part of me and her, you know, so there was just things that I saw. And then as I learned more and more about ADHD, I'm like, This is why this has gotta be why I was struggling in X, right? Or I was struggling with friendships or why I wanted to do my own thing or why I had like a thousand tabs open or you know, I mean, it was just like, I mean, it just all came together. And I said, I'm gonna go ahead and get tested just just to see, right? So when I got the diagnosis, it was it was validating for me. You know, everybody has their different experiences, everybody and I respect all of those experiences, but for me it was validating it was like man now it all makes sense now it all makes sense and but the other part is is I'm able to connect with my kids verbally like I can say your mommy has it too right and I can say you're not alone in this yeah it's okay because again even though from day one I never made ADHD embarrassing for them right so in other words if they wanted to talk about it, so what? They just talk about it. Mm-hmm. The thing is, is that I just, I wanted to make sure that they were very comfortable with who they were and what they had, right? But I, I always believed if they can be connected to someone that's guiding them. Mm-hmm. It's even more powerful. So I knew that if I was also diagnosed, you know, if if it, I mean, having two children with ADHD, it was like you're going to be diagnosed, right? But I knew that they would be able to really connect with me because they felt like they weren't walking this journey by themselves. Right. Mm-hmm. Now it's like first it's I'm the only one that has ADHD, my son, right? And then now it's now it's well, all three of us have ADHD. So you should understand, right? And it's yeah, we do understand. We do get yeah. you. Yeah. And so that's also been a really good transition for us too, is being able to be very open about the conversation. And so like you talked about, mentioned Clubhouse, right? Mm-hmm. There are some rooms where if the conversation is light enough and people are just sharing information, I let them listen it because I really want them to hear. It's just not them. Right.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, what's her name? Caitlin. Caitlin has a podcast where it's focused on children. And I let them listen to those podcasts and they actually got to participate in a couple. Great. Yeah, so just little things. I want them to hear about ADHD like it's second nature.
0: And exactly. yeah, can you talk about that label for a second. It's not a, like, I don't see it as a label. It's all it's like, you know, you we both have brown eyes. We, you know, you have curly hair. I have semi curly hair that I straighten from time to time, right? Like it's just a part of who we are it's not a like a thing that yeah i love that yeah and it's you're embracing it right if you're left-handed yeah you're left-handed you need to change it it is what it is so i love that i love that and for them to see it at such a young age and there's something magical about when i have conversations with those with adhd you, you could say a couple of words and they just get you you don't even have to finish a sentence because the pain, it's so you, you know, it's it's like just it's known. It's like right. So imagine if they're like with their mom is you just have to. I'm pretty sure most of the time there's this look of like I got you. There's yeah. the moment. Yeah, I know it's they the do. Yeah. No need needed. No, you know, justification needed. I love that.
1: I know um, my daughter. Oh, just one thing. My daughter. She yeah. she cracks up at me. She says because she runs into everything. Right, like everything. Like <laughs> the girl just. Literally runs into everything every day, and she says, "She's like, you don't even." I th- she says, "You don't even pay attention." I said, "No, I pay attention that you're running into things." I said, "Unless I have to take you to the hospital at this point,
0: <laughs> it's like
1: it's just radar running into someone." Right, <laughs> and I mean, she just right.
0: does, yeah. <laughs> What is that stat, Yuki? Remember the the one where, like, by the time uh, children with ADHD, by the time they're like, I don't know, whatever age, they hear like thousands thousand. of twenty thousand. What say that the quote? I can't remember. Yeah, I,
1: I, I believe it's by the age of ten years, ten years old, they hear twenty thousand negative comments. So uh, there you more go more than any other child.
0: Yeah. Right. So then if if she's known as, hey, you're clumsy, watch where you're going. Like that's if that repeat happens over and over, you know, you, it's like you're conditioning them to be something that it's like, oh, you. I love the way you explain that. You're running into things. You're running into things. And it's- <laughs> <laughs> she go really on. is graceful. So, Yatini, what were your emotions, if you could recall, because I mean, you sound like such a upbeat, growth mindset kind of a person. So I'm still curious to ask this. When your son was diagnosed, when you saw those, those things going on with your daughter, as a mom, what were you going through? How did you pull through to the other side of that?
1: It was hard. I mean, it was painful. It was hard. I was crying all the time because again, I would get those phone calls every single day, every single day. And either it was to come pick them up or it was to ask for some suggestions and how they can work with my child. I mean, literally. And so it was a really hard time. But I, I'm just like you said, I am positive. I have a, a a I will say an overall positive demeanor. I mean, I've had, you know, negative times in my life, but I have an overall positive demeanor. And I said, we've got to get through this. I, I just there's got to be a way to get through all of this. Mm -hmm. And, and every step just prepared me to get them ready for, like I said, with my son, with the IEP and then my daughter, just to have people in place to support her,
0: Mm -hmm. but
1: it was hard. It was the hardest thing ever. And so I really understand parents who are going through the same exact thing. And I always tell them like when they DM me, I, I share my story and I say, you are not alone in this. It is not easy to parent. Especially if you have ADHD, right? I'm mm-hmm. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. there's like three, three people that have ADHD in the household. And you're like, I mean, and you, you all come from different perspectives. Yeah. And to yeah. really try to manage all of that, it's, yeah, it's insane. But um, yeah, so yeah, the emotional
0: regulation and all of that stuff. Like, so for a mom who, let's say, just found out about their ADHD and knows that their kids have it, or maybe the kids haven't been diagnosed. What do you want to say? Well, what are like three things you want to say to, to this mom or a dad going through all of this stuff? Because
1: So it, if oh. they all have ADHD, whether they're diagnosed or not.
0: hmm or, um, or the parents just found out, but the kids aren't, vice versa. Like, how do, you, how do you manage this dynamic of like three people in a household with ADHD? Like, how do you get through it? Because I'm sure it's pretty exhausting.
1: It is. It is. So everybody talks about this and I think it's important. It's not a cliche. And that is having time for that self-care, that, that, that reset moment, because I'm telling you, there was a point in time where their dad had surgery. So I had kept them for weeks in a row. And this is when they were younger, when things were really heightened. And that was like, I mean, I just, it was a very long, it was only like a month <laughs> and it was like, the longest month of my life. <laughs> and because I mean, just having to deal with that energy all of the time was really, really hard. And so that self-care, and I really didn't know how to enter self-care at that time. I know how to do it better as they got a little bit older, because I purposely like left them in, in one room and I went to my bedroom or I put them in their room and I just sat, you know, on the couch and yeah. I said, you guys are going to spend time in your room <laughs> for wow. a little bit while mommy resets, right? Now that they're older, I can go take walks or I can just drive to the store or just, and sometimes I don't even buy anything. I just go just to mm-hmm. get away, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, so self-care is the first thing. The, the second thing is be patient with the process. It's going to be a rigorous process because again, you have to figure out your child, Right. First of all, you really need to know about ADHD as much, as much as possible and just research it as much as possible and then how it relates to your child. So, you know what strategies to put in place for your child and you know what conversations to have with anybody that is interacting with them. Right. Mm-hmm. And because like I like I was telling other people that, for example, camps, if they go to a new camp where people have never dealt with them, I give them a list of here are the triggers. And these are the things that you can do to help them move through it, right? As they get older and as they are able to control, well, mostly my son, as he's able to control his his movements a little bit more, then I will have to give them less, you know, as he gets older. But until then, I give him a list like, okay, these are the things that works for him, right? But be patient with the process because it is not a short process. It's figuring it out, And then putting into place and repetition, right? Mm -hmm. Because Mm -hmm. I swear, I tell them the same thing like 20 times (laughs) in a day, right? Yeah. I'm like, are you kidding me? But, but like, for example, we were sitting on the couch and my son said to me, he was 10, he had just turned 10. And he said to me, you know what? I'm about to get angry. I need to just breathe. That took him doing this for five years to get to that point, right? For him to really grasp the fact that he needed to take a breath before responding. And that's what I'm talking about. It takes (laughs) time. It takes time, but it can happen. And then you don't have to do everything. The last thing I want to say is you don't have to do everything that everybody else does, right? I don't do the things that my parents do. We have that conversation. I'm very honest. I'm like, I don't put the things in place that you did for me and my sister that I put in place for them. It just does not work, right? Yeah. From teaching them to like, I could do things straight. That's what, well, because I, there were certain subjects that I liked, so it's hyper focusing, but Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. there's a lot of things they don't so that I need to make sure they take breaks. Like if they have a long or a large amount of homework, I know they got to get up and take breaks, for example. Right.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I mean, there's just so many different things, you know, from discipline to consequences, there are things that they put in place that I can't do with them. Now I'm going to get to the same goal to teach them a lesson, right? Cause the overall is that you want them to grow, but getting to that goal is going to be different and that's going to be okay. So you can't, not do everything. You can get recommendations, right? Because Mm -hmm. as like as an ADHD community, I definitely listen to other people's recommendations. And then I say, okay, let me try this for my child. But especially those who are neurotypical, be okay if you're not doing the same things that they're doing. So those are my three things.
0: (laughs) I love it. I love it. So back to you, my friend. So while you're raising these beautiful souls that, man, I can't wait to see what they're going to end up doing when they're older like just the fact that your son is like I'm about to get angry like dang that's good it's like okay I I, I've I've done my final exam that was final exam moment for you it's like great you passed good parenting good job good job like seriously what about you what were you doing because I know you you've been up to a few things and I want to know how in the heck you get these degrees and going through school and raising these two youngins like what was your trick
1: I was diagnosed with ADHD, but with the comorbidity of anxiety and depression. And so, but I I identify with both because I am, I'm literally all over the place. I mean, my kids just laugh at me sometimes. (laughs) They're like, can you just take a moment, mom? (laughs) I'm like, I'm I'm trying, I'm trying. But yeah, so I am the person that has like a thousand taps open, as I said earlier, and I put my hands in anything but, or everything Honestly, the reason why I went ahead and got my MBA was one at the time I was ready to move careers and a lot of the positions needed an MBA. But the second time or the second thing is, I mean, everybody has their thing and learning is my thing. And I wanted to do something for me. Right. Mm. And because I have been just giving to my children, which is fine. I've been giving and giving and pouring out. I wanted to do something that I knew would benefit me. And then I also would enjoy. And ironically, I enjoyed it tremendously. And that is the best, I will say the best grade that I've gotten in all of my school career, because I just loved it so much and enjoyed it so much, had great professors, great content. So it now... How did I balance it all? It was mm-hmm. insane. It was absolutely insane. I would study every moment I, I could get. Like, I would be, you know, study in the mornings. I would study at lunchtime. I would study like while they're studying. So we would all sit and do our homework together. Mm-hmm. And then I would study after they go to bed, just depending on the day. And then obviously on weekends, it was insane. It was absolutely insane. But the two years went by really fast. It really did. And so, and so part of me wishes that I had done it a lot sooner. Because I always said, you know what? I'm not getting my MBA. I'm just, I'm not. Why do I, like, really, why do I need my MBA? And when I finally decided to do it, I think I was mentally ready to do it. But I just wanted to. I just wanted to do it. And I think that's why I enjoyed it so much. But balancing it was no joke.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And I I love that candid side. Because, right, it's like, you know, work-life balance, family balance. I don't believe in it. it. It It's the same, like what you're saying is when the motivation is there, when the interest is there, we will figure out ways to kind of manage and juggle through it, uh-huh. which sounds like that's what you did, which is yep. like so awesome. Yeah. So, yeah. And I didn't think about it, right? I just yeah. did it. Yeah. Yeah. And also me- because it was aligned, it was it was aligned with who you are, what you wanted to do. And And I always say to my clients, if you're finding this like it's difficult to do, if it takes you too much effort, is it really like, by whose standard are you doing this for? Like wh- what what gap are you trying to fill? Because they said, and it's the thing to do versus what you did was like, no, I wanna do it. And there it is. I love it. So what what's happening with Yakini now? Tell us a little bit about ADHD love. What were what you doing with the ADHD advocacy? Cause you are truly like on there always content sharing. What where what are you up to these days, my friend?
1: Yeah, I mean, and so I started ADHD Love because I really wanted to support parents and I didn't want them to go through their journey alone. So my platform is focused on parents with ADHD, parents with children with ADHD, and then a lot of my content with, you know, that is for parents with ADHD also fits adults who don't necessarily have children. And so the idea though is I really want to support parents in, putting strategies in place or getting them to look at how they can change the way they are approaching things a little bit differently, right? I want them to realize it on their own by guiding them to that point. And so eventually I'm actually taking coaching classes now. So I'm hoping to start up coaching towards the end of this year, the the beginning of next year. But in the meantime, like you said, I'm just advocating. I'm just putting content out there. As I'm learning something, I share it with the audience. I give, you know, sometimes share my experiences, sometimes share my children's experiences. And I really wanted to be open, you know, as a minority too, right? Because there's not a lot of us out there really representing. And I wanted to make sure that I was doing my part because it's just not a conversation that we have. So again, I want to normalize it in my community too. And so it really has been a joy. I have grown so much. I've learned so much. I mean, when I talk to people, I mean, so I'll do a taping and then obviously I got to watch it again to edit it, right? It's just like, I get so excited when I'm listening to those videos and listening to those people talk because it's just like, whoa, this is just so much knowledge. And that's what I want other people to feel. I want people to know that, you know, there's just, so much, there's struggles, but there's so much good information out there that can really support those struggles and get you to that next level. So, so that is my platform. And I, and I post videos. I talk with other parents. I talk with people who are coaches, who are doctors, educators, and right now I have it
0: on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. I love it. Thank you for everything that you do, Yakini. I always see you on there and I'm I'm just every time I'm like there she is with <laughs> her positive energy and just just overall your energy, the way you talk about this stuff, you're real about it, but also it's it's good energy. Like yes, this there is, you know, there's this side when you look at it from this perspective. And of course I love how you're balancing it with it can be hard, but then there's that side. And I'm always right. like I I keep imagining your son going, I'm about to get angry? Like there's that, right? Like it's that hard work is paying off. And and there is this light at the end of the tunnel. If we know how to manage our ADHD, which is what what you're doing and creating those um, spaces and support for them. Also. Thank you so much, Akini. Before we part, is there one last thing that if I didn't ask that you want to share with, with my audience?
1: Again, I just want people to know, to I, I want iter- to reiterate this, be patient with the process. Mm-hmm. It's going to be some bumpy roads, but I'm telling you, if you keep at it, it's just so worth it. It's so worth it. It's just so worth seeing some of the progress. And seeing the change in my children and you will see it too. If you just, just don't give up. It's just don't give up, right? Just keep at it and be patient with them too. Because again, you have to remember a lot of the things that they are doing is tied to ADHD. Mm -hmm. A lot of it, they cannot control. So please also be patient with them, but you will get through it.
0: I love it. What you just said, that last point, is very important for children because it's almost the other way around for adults. I find a little bit where it's um, when I work with adults is there's your ADHD brain wiring, and then there's the mindset that you've developed over the years. Where with children is actually ADHD first. The way you just explained that, I'm like, there it is. It's because they they haven't grown to become like full-on adults with experiences and past beliefs and all of that stuff, it's actually their brain wiring that's getting the best of them. Mm -hmm. So that is so hugely important. It's it's to have those conversations. And I love the part about working with them to find solutions that they know what their self-soothing stuff is. If we only give them the opportunity and ask the right question and not, you know, advice dumping and just be like, wait a second, they know better than me. So thank you, my friend. Yeah, this was Thank amazing. you. I appreciate you so much. All right, folks, here's another episode with another shiny star as as you heard her and shared her story. I will put in the show notes where you can find Yakini with all of the links to her beautiful content. And until next time, my friends, keep on shining.